We're in the second week of four, at looking at waypoints. Waypoints as directional markers that help us journey our lives of faith, our lives of discipleship. Last week we explored service, and in coming weeks we'll take a look. I mean, last week we explored prayer, rather. In coming weeks we'll explore uh, studying scripture and worship and sacraments. This week we take a look at the waypoint of service, of acts of mercy. And as I was considering scriptures for today, the one that jumped to the forefront by far was from Matthew 25, verses 31 through 40. And Jesus is speaking, saying, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at the left. And then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them. Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I encourage you to read that whole chapter. The next part of this passage is what happens with the goats. But that's not the focus of today's message, but I encourage you to read the fullness of that whole chapter, not just what happens next. But we've been exploring, we're currently exploring waypoints. Waypoints, uh, uh, just to recap, just if you weren't here last week or maybe you're trying to still wrap your brain around it, um, National Geographic defines waypoints as reference points that help us know where we are and where we're going. There are certain aspects of our faith lives that help us do that as well, not just in a map and not just on some trip or adventure we might be taking, but the greatest adventure of all, the the journey of faith, of discipleship that we enjoy together. There are certain things in the lives of of disciples that help us to know not only where we're going, because we know the direction is is love. That's Jesus says, love God with all that you are and in your neighbor as yourself. That's the greatest commandment, to love. That's our direction, is to love in fullness, as John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, would call it, going on to perfection. And it's not about never messing up, it's about being full and living in the fullness of God's love. That's our, that's our direction, but sometimes we don't always know exactly how we're getting there. Actually, usually we don't know exactly how we're getting there. 
But there are certain aspects of our faith, things we can do that taken together help us to chart our journey, help us to grow into more and more mature followers of Jesus Christ. Last week we talked about prayer. This week we are talking about acts of mercy. Um, that's kind of a big churchy way of saying service, um, mission work, or as we call it in this church, outreach. Those things that meet the needs of the world around us or the community that we are a part of. And waypoints aren't just about direction. They're about um, transformation, or at least that's in the perspective of our faith. They're about changing. If you go on a trip and you get to a certain spot and the conditions change, you change what you've got to do to keep going on your journey. Lewis and Clark were sent by then-President Thomas Jefferson to find a waterway from the East Coast to the West Coast. They prepared for a canoe trip. Then they met the Rockies. They had to switch things up because you're not canoeing the mountains. There's a great book around that, around church ministry and leadership, but that's not what this is about. But, but they had to change their trip. Their, they had to change how they were going to finish their journey. Because it wasn't just about finding a waterway, it was about finding a route to the west. That was the ultimate, the ultimate goal. Our journey of faith to being perfected in God's love with God's love sometimes, oftentimes, requires transformation just as much as it does a direction. And it, through the acts of mercy that we are a part of, the service, the things that we do, the engaging our faith in such a way that it meets the needs around us is one of those waypoints, acts of mercy. And not only is it part of our faith, it's part of who we have been made in, our, in God's amazing wisdom. Science is now learning what people in ministry have often said, you'll get more out of it than you put into it. Now, sometimes that's a sales pitch to get you to sign up. I know, I've done it, but there's truth behind it too. You've experienced it most likely as you've helped others, as you served others. But there have been recent studies, especially following the pandemic, when so many people for, those, for, that, for the period of time that we just felt so constrained and isolated, all of these feelings of discontent, if not depression, and people, we didn't understand why necessarily. We had a lot of thoughts and feelings, feelings and opinions about why, but what was at the heart of a lot of it? And it was our inability to help others, or at least the, the ability to help others negates some of that depressed feeling in our, in our bodies. Alan Lux, uh, author of The Healing Power of Doing Good, The Health and Spiritual Benefits of Health, Helping Others. That's a long title, um, but Alan Lux, L-U-K-S. Um, if you ever, if you're interested. He said that helpers experience a high similar to a runner following a workout, a runner who runs regularly, I will add. After helping someone, the helper's body releases endorphins, brain chemicals that reduce pain and increase euphoria. 
This creates a rush of elation followed by a period of calm. And he said, we even found evidence that a helper can even re-experience this high just by remembering the altruistic acts, even long after they take place. It doesn't mean you do one good thing once and just keep recalling it, but anyway, he said it does have that effect on our lives. He said the studies also suggested that volunteering and charitable giving help ease stress, improve physical and emotional health by strengthening our immune system, decreasing intensity and awareness of physical pain, activating positive emotions that support well-being, reducing negative attitudes that deplete well-being, enhancing functioning of various body systems. We are fearfully and wonderfully made, folks. But it's not just good for you and your body. It's who we are called to be as followers of Jesus Christ. Just as I talked about prayer last week, prayer is, is, a, is our communication with God that it might begin as something we have to schedule and eventually becomes this holy habit, but ultimately it, be, it is a way of life. And that's the same with helping others for acts of mercy, for service or mission or outreach. Sometimes it's something we have to make ourselves do. Grace ministry starts early on Saturday morning. You have to set an alarm for that, right? And probably maybe even earlier than when you sit during the week. But eventually it becomes, okay, this is good. It becomes that holy habit. But ultimately, acts of mercy is simply a part of who we are and we, as we live out our faith in the world around us. So acts of mercy as a waypoint, helping us to navigate our faith, it, these are three things that I think speak to us as we talk about um, this journey of discipleship. One, self-discovery. Two, community, how it affects community. And three, that it is simply who we are called to be as followers of Jesus as living out the gospel. First, this concept of self-discovery. There's something that happens when we step out into an uncomfortable place or situation but it's a place of need and service. I'm not saying step out in, in dangerous things and such. But it's uncomfortable. Sometimes that's our own, that's the only barrier we have to overcome is just, it's uncomfortable. It doesn't match up with my schedule very well. You know, things like that. So step out of our comfort to do a thing we haven't done before maybe or do it a new way or do it with different people or things of that nature, reach out and need. We start to, will we continue learning about ourselves? Maybe you learn something new about what you can do. Maybe you learn something new about, uh, maybe you, you tap a, a skill that you use somewhere else that can be applied here. It's so interesting to me. Sometimes in church and ministry work together, we get a bunch of people in a room together and, and people have all the things they do during their lives and, and they hold back those gifts and abilities from what we're doing in church. And then all of a sudden they speak up. I'm like, oh, where were you six months ago? Well, you were here in the room, but why? You know, things like that. We just, but when we step out, because you've, you've kind of made this, you've, you've made a barrier between church and work and work-life balance and all those things and, and, and so on. But when we step out and need, step out towards need and service, we start to begin to um, discover things. If you've been doing it or, or, or even if it's a, a new thing. 
and it continues to build on this sense of identity of who am I? Who am I? We're not, our, we're not the things that we do. We're not our occupations. Who are we? And when we reach out and need to others, it's part of that process of self-discovery, of answering that question, who am I? And not only answering that question of who am I, but what is God calling me to do in this world? Whether it's a call with a capital C, it's your main call, or call to an activity or an event or a series of things, a smaller call. My call to ordained ministry came not because of some preaching events or some theological study. It didn't come from a class. It came from participating in a ministry with folks with special needs called Camp Rainbow Connection. It had nothing to do with what I do now. But in the midst of that service, I could hear God speaking clearly, not audibly, but impressing upon me about what I was called to do. And not every call is about professional ministry. It's not always about our, it's not our, always our paid job. Sometimes our job that pays our bills is there to pay our bills so that we can then do our call stuff. But when we step out in service, when we step out in acts of mercy, when we step out to help the needs of others, things are revealed to us about ourselves that we may never have even considered before. I'm not so bad at that. I'm not so bad at that here. I know I was pretty good at it over here. It's okay to say you're good at things. I know our Christian humility doesn't want us. We're like, oh, we can't say. It's okay. It's acknowledging God's giftedness in you. And that's acknowledging God's gifts, not yours. And in that journey of self-discovery, of call, we start to more and more identify with Christ. This past summer, one of the sermons I preached was on the feeding of the 5,000, if if you recall. If you don't know that story, um, the beginning, it's not the story itself, but how that story begins, it's in Matthew 14, Um, I'm at verse 13. When Jesus heard this, that his cousin, John the Baptist, had just been put to death. When he heard this, he withdrew from the, the place where they had been in a boat to go to a deserted place by himself. But the crowds heard it, and they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured the sick. He was going off to be by himself to grieve. That's good self-care practice, y'all. But he saw the need of those around him, and he had compassion on them. As we step out in acts of mercy and service and mission, it's identifying with the compassion of Christ. And that's ultimately where our, our identity is wrapped up in. Not I, but Christ who lives within me. To identify as the beloved, as we sang earlier in the service, of God's children. And we go from this self stuff. So I'll start with the self, and then I go a little bit bigger. Just to the community impact. The mission of the United Methodist Church is that uh, to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. We're meant to be world changers. 
And if you change a small thing, even if it's a large overall thing, if you just made one small part of the thing, you've affected the whole. So every time we reach out in selfless activity or uh, mercy or service to others, we affect the whole of, of the world. And, and when we touch the, even just one life, it, changed their, it, can, it can change their world entirely. But not only is it about changing the world out there, it's about changing, it affects the world within here, the community here. As we serve with folks, as we stand side by side with people, whatever activity we're doing, whether you're pulling weeds or handing out food, all the other things of our lives kind of melt away as we labor together. Our ideological, political, theological difference seem to have much less weight in those moments as we identify as, as Christ, reaching out to the least, the last, and the lost, serving on behalf of God's kingdom in multiple different ways. And then to the biggest. Service is the practical application of Christ's teaching, of his example, of his life. We're not going to touch a man's eyes and give him sight or, or, or tell a, crippled, a man with crippled legs to walk. We're not going to do it just through supernatural means, but everything we do through whatever gifts that God has given to us has a similar asp, uh, impact on the world. And not only are we following Jesus' example, it's an extension of our faith. James, in the second chapter, the letter of James, verse 14 begins, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works, acts of mercy, service? Surely that faith cannot save, can it? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their needs, what is the good of that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I, by my works, will show you my faith. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. We're meant to put our faith in action. Our acts don't save us. We can't. God is worthy, we are not. Through Christ, we are made so. But our acts of mercy, the things that we do in response to our faith are a reflection of the faith that we hold. There was, we, I went on a mission trip after Hurricane Katrina to Mississippi with a bunch of pastors to work on houses. Imagine that. All right. <laughs> we got a lot of strange looks from folks. Why are, why you... <laughs> I can hold things and carry things. I'm really, in tall things, I'm, you know, anyway. 
and we went down there, and we, and we, we did a lot of construction stuff, and, and I, I, got, I got some skills in, in that regard, but the greatest impact we had was something we hadn't anticipated till we sat around a room with a bunch of other volunteers who, not they were, they were, but they were residents as well, and their homes had also been flooded out. Their walls had also had to be torn out and replaced. One woman even commented that her house had been redone by a youth group and she loves her bowed walls. <laughs> they didn't go up straight, but she loves them because of the kids and the faith that they extended. But the greatest impact, she was, as she was telling that story, she told to us, the greatest impact you have on us is having somebody else to tell our story to. Because every time we're able to tell our story to a new person helps us to be relieved of our burden just a little bit more just a little bit more and you can't you can't you can keep telling each other the same stories but you're both if you've lived there and you're going through the same stuff it's not the same you kind of heap up burdens but when you can share it with somebody new it's it's a relief of our burdens we never know we know we may know what we think we're going to go do when we reach out to the least, the last, and the lost, to the needs of those around us, but we never know why we're really going, why God is sending us there. When we take out that, take that step of faith, how uncomfortable it may be, we are a part of God's mission. Part of participating in God's mission of restoration and salvation in the world. We are a part of the big picture of faith. So then how do we live out our faith through acts of mercy? And, and this is not the end all be all list, but as I consider it, there are three ways that we do it when we're part of a, of a church, part of a faith community. We do it as serving our, serving our church for the community, serving our community through our church and serving our community as the church, as we're out and about in the world. This afternoon, we're gonna, we have a ministry fair, and, and the, many of our ministries, not all of them by a, by a long shot are represented, but a lot of them are there as opportunities for you not just to learn about those memories, but to take that step of faith and towards service and ministry, um, and maybe in a way that you hadn't considered before, especially if you haven't been a part of those as well. The ones that are represented out there uh, today, I just encourage you to go out there. Y'all don't need me to read a list of 10 till. There's Sunday school, and people are already leaving to get ready. <clears throat> but all these wonderful areas, we have a lot of areas around food insecurity, around homelessness um, that we can be a part of. Uh, th that would be ministry, serving our community through the church. But there are also things to do in the church, the ways in which the, we, might, we, have, we, we have paid staff, but we could not run church, this church, with just the paid staff. Church ministry is mostly done by, by, by laity, by volunteers, by you all, and by your volunteer time and commitment to the ministry of the church that so many of you offer. We're able to do the things that we do. The heaviest volunteer moment is Sunday morning from, let's say, 8 to 1230. But there are other things to do. Anytime there's grace ministries, that's a heavy commit volunteer moment, a time of feeding 
helping um, not just food, but other items to those in need in our community. And that's reaching out to the community, but helping within the life of the church. If we don't do those things, then we're not able to do the things that reach out. And then the last one is, is being the church in the community when we're in the world. You're still the church when you're out there. So every time we do stuff, we're carrying the good news of Jesus Christ with us. And every once in a while, we got to talk about it. At least not avoid it. Don't put the light under a bushel, right? That's, we have a song about that. But to still be out in the world, letting the light of Christ shine through our actions. And as I said, every once in a while, putting words to it. All of these different waypoints of prayer, of acts of mercy, of studying scripture, of worship and sacraments, each one of these helps us to grow in our faith in our journey of discipleship. And it's not a pick or choose scenario. It's, a, it's an all-inclusive thing. And, and certainly at different stages of life, different seasons of life, we have different availability for service beyond what is happening in our households or uh, within our families, even extended families. But looking for those opportunities to reach out in need even if it's sending a card or folding your hand. Prayer ministry itself is an act of, act of service, I believe. And if that's all that you think you can do, in the power of the Holy Spirit, go and do. But each of these waypoints help us to, to chart our course to the fullness of faith, the fullness of love in Christ Jesus then as we see that course, if we need to change or, or adapt, inviting God to help us in that act of change and transformation so that we can live into the call that God has placed upon us, as we claim our identity as followers of Christ, and not just followers of Christ, but take his identity as our own altogether. And as we do those things, we will change the world, not because of our own good, not because of our own ability, and not because it's, the, it's a good thing to do, but because God calls us to it. May these waypoints help us to grow in our faith. And may they enable us to point others to Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. For calling us to yourself and through your call sending us to serve your kingdom in so many different ways. Every time we reach out in need to others, help us to remember that we're reaching out in need to your son. And not simply so that we are a part of the sheep but so that we might live into the fullness of who we are as your children. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.